Welcome to episode two, second full episode of Pang Kong Podcast. Travel Pang Kong Podcast! <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get tired of that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Nick Jimenez. I am uh, the quasi-host of this thing for a little bit. All right. Yeah. And I'm here with uh, the the real star of the show oh here, boy. Quasimodo. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There he is <laughs> with the chef Mike Beltran. Carluba's here, by the way. Carluba's here behind the recorder, slapping yeah. his own knee oh, at his joke. own jokes. Take this guy's microphone away from me. <laughs> Good Fuck. God, how did we let him in? <laughs> Jesus. My so name is Mike Beltran. For me. Your name is Mike Beltran. Yeah, and we are at. The courtyard adjacent to Chugs. Yeah, Chugs Diner. Chugs uh, Diner at Chugs Diner on social media. At Chugs Diner. Chugs or, Courtyard. Yeah, <laughs> Chugs Courtyard. That'll be its own thing. Yeah, that's another. That's another Instagram handle. So this is uh, Chugs this, Cuban Charanga Courtyard. Oh, All right, go. here we go. So, by the way, I just came from recording a radio show with Carlos, and it was a lot like this. Was it? Yeah. Well, that's uh, right. I keep twelve ten the man. We are on twelve ten the man because we're men. Oh, and God, I, I have to say before we jump jump into this, it. it's it. absolutely abysmal. The name of that entire radio show. I knew this was coming. The no, the draw is good. The draw is a good name. No, like you, your show all, with Eric, and you're you're I'm you're debatable, but I mean, I'm, I really am getting this from just all yeah I, today. The it's the name it's of the station. I think it's 12, a bad thing. No, it's a good twelve thing. ten the so. man. Like it absolutely is absolutely it's fucking horrible. You guys are great. It's not what I would have called a radio station. Absolutely not. Makes no fucking especially sense. Especially none that you it know, just, that's at the twelve ten dial. It just you know I. I remember because you know Orlando Alzagari, uh-huh. yep. he's on that, right? Big O, yep. Big O, that guy. So I listened to his radio show for many years, and I uh, I agreed and disagreed with many of his opinions. So when they took him off the radio, and you here agreed. it comes. You disagree. The limousine. Here we go. It's not a, an episode without the. Uh, it's not an episode without the chuck 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 all right. And now you know the name, the story behind the name. It's Chuck, 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 I like his opinions on the Dolphins, but he's just such a fucking gas bag half the time. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. I don't know if I'm allowed to. to whatever. I am, I am allowed what? to say whatever the fuck I I'll want. I'll be honest, though. I've never actually heard Big O. Yeah, I mean, his radio show about the Dolphins is it's fine. His opinion is good half the time. Thanks I for think he's a great guy. You do? I mean, you know, I can differ yeah. with his opinions, but I think he's a good person. I mean, you, you could be a good person, but he on the radio, he's a fucking gas bag. Ah, yeah, that's uh, he, his your his, opinion. His like his just like your persona. Opinion, his persona on the radio to me is just so off-putting. I, I really haven't heard him, so I don't have an opinion here. It's, but what is it about the persona? Is it the is it him just being you're, you're too understanding, forward? Like, I I come from a hospitality background. So a lot of times just telling people that they're full of shit off gate without listening to half of their opinion is off-putting. 
I get it. You know, like, there's people that have opinions about the Dolphins or sports. Not everyone lives and breathes sports, man. You know, like, I, don't I, know come, about that. I come from a sports background, too. I played football for 10 years, so I understand football. Who doesn't like sports? I, I mean, honestly, to be totally frank, I haven't really paid attention to sports in two years. It's only because... I'd say it's been about that time for me. It's just because I'm, like, totally entrenched in restaurants. So 100%. The, the, the joke that is only making sense to Carlos is that Carlos has never in his life been much of a sports fan. Oh, really? Yeah. To the point that we, we did a... I can't say that. No, no, no. But what, what I loved, speaking of... What, I, I like Carlos's quiet subversion of the radio show. Uh, what what was the topic that we're oh we were talking about the uh, what game was it that everybody came to play? You probably don't even remember. We were talking about some sporting event. And oh, it was the it was the NCAA yeah March Madness. championship game. Talking I couldn't tell you. Game. I've never known. Let anything. me okay, tell so you something that on. I can say one thing about that game. Everyone at that game showed up to play that day. That's good. Everybody. Thanks. So Carlos repeats this line like five times over the course of the radio show, <laughs> and Eric was. Visibly, I wasn't even there, but I was picturing his face like Eric is not liking this yeah. at all. That Carlos is just jumping back in over and over. Everyone came to play. No, listen, I today, think it's safe to say everybody came to play. Everyone came to really just give their all today. Yeah, hundred and ten percent. One hundred and ten percent today. That's so good. anyway, it's not it's not untrue. No, no. And, no. I, and I think it's safe to say it that every safe. single one of those guys on that bench and on the court that day showed up with the intent. To play the best basketball they've ever played in their life. This was the radio show. And wow. it was awesome. It was such good but radio. I'm actually thinking but about wrapping this shit up now because right. I am just fucking over it. Holy but, shit. But what's, what's wrong with that? Because you don't know play. what the fuck you're talking about. But, but the, it's true. It's I like that same, like, you know, that um, but it was the whole, like, sports fucking analogy that was, everyone says over It was and over appropriate again. for the time because they were talking about how well and how just once-in-a-lifetime performance one of these uh, athletes. Is there any way to cut his mic off while we're There is recording? a way. Just because we, we can't continue like this. We there can't. is a way. In fairness, you, you, did, you did launch into the big old gas baggery thing. That's true. I, I, you know, I don't know. I've you never heard your own gas baggery. I've did. never heard a show of his, and I, I don't even know what he said. Well, you like. know, I, I, um, I used to drive a lot because I went to school in West Palm for a while. So I would, like... It's three hours of fucking sports radio every day. So I listen to right. Lebitard. And there are other Big things o. to listen to, though. You know. Yeah, I know, but Lebitard is an exceptional show. But Dan Lebitard is an exceptional. There are other exceptional things to listen. That's to. true, but at that time, podcasts weren't really a thing at that time. I, I did, there's just I, am I dating that are myself not into, by saying that. Yeah, yeah. Podcasts are pretty recent. We're on the cutting edge over here. Are we? We're a on podcast. Not only <laughs> we are podcast cutting thing at the, time, the freshest. This is bang. the first podcast sandwich. This is. A, in the this is the first Cuban American podcast sandwich in the podcastosphere for and sure. And there's three people here, so that three is the number of parts to sandwich. Okay, so we've now wasted close to five minutes. We are so let's too far. We're flowing, guys. No, yeah. what, what we what about. we came into this intending to do when is we turn this an improv podcast. No, it's not. Oh, when we turn these things on, what we intended to do was get into the subject, and maybe we can find a graceful way to segue here. Of creativity, uh, so in, in case, well, yeah, no, in all sorts in of things, life. just period. But we are we're at Chugs. Oh, we're at I Chugs. I have a lot to say about. That. I figured you would turn off his mic. No, <laughs> <not my> mic. <laughs> right now we're Cut at Chugs. We're at Chugs Diner. 
and in the previous episode, we got into a little bit about the creativity. Yeah. And you're uh, working from a foundation of traditional Cuban food right. with a twist. And, of course, that twist is the creative element. Right. Uh, or at least among the creative elements. Because sure. you, know, you can get creative without really deviating. Twisting. From, yeah, yeah, without twisting. Uh, is it, that's it. We've unleashed the beast. Yeah. So... Uh, what was we, we, I mean, again? We touched on this a little bit, but I want to hear a little more about uh, where it is that you draw or how you identify the line of okay, I'm I'm allowing myself to get creative to this point, right? And once I move beyond that point, maybe it becomes impractical, maybe it starts to move against the concept, right? Where because the concept part of the definition of the concept of whether it's a restaurant or a magazine or uh, a in, podcast. Or a podcast, right? Uh, is that there? There is that line mm-hmm. of once you've moved beyond it, you've begun to undermine the original idea, right? What does that look like for you here uh, at Chugs? Chugs is an interesting example because we're doing small curveballs on classics. You know, like our pango lechon is normal until you get to this uh, sauce that's in the bottom bread. It's called tuna tonado. Uh, tuna tonado is like a tuna mayonnaise. So that tuna mayonnaise is traditionally served with roasted pork, right, as like a salad and like a little salad on top. So when I was thinking about that pangolachong, it's like everyone, you know, there's a large portion of people that make pangolachong, and they're all good and different in their own ways. But, you know, people know me to be a little weird, and that's fine. That's like I like that, you know. And the other thing was, when you do a pango lechon and you do it like classic, then you're jumping into that arena of just like another pango lechon on the streets. No, mine's going to be a little different. And there's going to be people that fight me on it, and that's totally fucking fine. I don't care. This is how I want to do it. Right. So, you know, that creativity, there's a couple of ways to think about it from a chef's perspective. There's from a chef's perspective. There's from a chef owner's perspective. When you're like, uh, let's look at the two concepts, which is Ariette and Chug's Diner. Um, Ariette is a little more handsy, the food, you know, a little more touchy. You know, we uh, take a little more time plating. There's a little more finesse. You know, Chug's is a diner. Um, and it's a diner with white rice and black beans. And there's a pancake and there's a Taylor ham sandwich. And, you know, it's a little more like uh, grungy, greasy spoon kind of stuff. Uh, Ariette you can get a little more finesse. But even with that finesse in mind, as a business person, you need to rein yourself in because you cannot have things that have 25 touches is what we call in the kitchen is how many moves a dish takes and 13 different components and that it takes three people to plate when you're trying to crank out a service of 250 and you only have three guys on the line. It, all that goes into play. So you're when you're a creative in the kitchen, you can, I mean, there's days that I'll sit up reading and writing stuff till 2 or 3 in the morning or later, and they'll never come to fruition because the dish is just too much. And in my mind, it lives as what everyone likes to say, oh, chef just said that simple. And a lot of times it's not really. So that's why... You know, you've had me mention, I've, I've mentioned people like Enzo and like Matt. They'll be like, dude, that's not feasible. We can't do that. Yeah. You know, and I was be like, all right. You know, because I, I, again, 
it's not technically me doing it. And a lot of times it's important to realize, you know, I understand the food in its entirety, but a cook doesn't. So you need to be, you need to make it easily executable and from a business perspective, be able to put the, put out that food in a timely fashion. So I think that's part of the creativity, though, is that I, is that boundary. You know, a lot of times creativity really has an opportunity to expose itself when there are boundaries, yeah. when there are constraints. And mm-hmm. part of those constraints in, in this world and in, in your world is is are those logistical, practical constraints where, hey, you need to be creative. You need to do something different. You may need to take something that already exist and add something of your own and create something new but it, they have to be within these boundaries within these constraints i think that adds to the creative factor you know you don't have this free reign not that that's a bad thing but it's kind of cool that you don't right. have it well you i mean you got to run at the end of the day you're running a business it's very important to realize and i think there's two good examples like we do um vet, like vegetable dinners and I really do that to push myself. It's like, how do we create this dish with no protein? You know, with no, like, focal. Because that's how, when I was taught to cook, you know, you work around the protein. That's so the constraint do, you give so yourself. So how, how do we work away from that? And one of the people that I respect the most in this industry, his name is uh, Jeremy Fox. And he's in California. The guy is un animal. His... The meal I had at his restaurant was... That's an animal in yeah, English for right. those who are not Spanish uh, speakers. was forever life-changing for me because it had the feel of the food that I really love, but a lot of the dishes were vegetable-based, and they were incredible. Yeah. And um, I had this idea of, you know, like, no, like not many people highlight Miami vegetables, so we did this vegetable dinner... And I said, fuck it, I'm going to do this and I'm going to push myself creatively from a conceptual perspective, from a food perspective, from a service perspective. And I'm just going to do this completely fucking different. And honestly, without money in mind, we didn't charge a ton. It was five courses and we did it in a courtyard of area that had never been used. So we had to set up a different service standard. We had to set up music. We had live music. We had to print different menus. We had to source all of our vegetables locally. We had to do different cocktails that were all vegetable-based. Everything from top to bottom. I worked on it for 90 days for the sum of three hours. And we executed wonderfully. It was, to me, a feat. And I had just, and just speaking very personally, sure. I had just taken a, like a kick in the nuts a couple of days earlier about something that I was very much hoping to achieve and I failed. So it was actually that day. And I had to pick myself up and say, we worked on this for months. We cannot fail because I took a kick in the nuts for something. We all worked very hard on this. So let's do it. And we fucking crushed it. And But creatively, I felt great. Like what an what an accomplishment creatively, right? Yeah, you, you it had was, an idea, you worked on it, and you made it happen, and it worked out. And exactly it was like the way you wanted it. I to. would say it was ninety percent there of what I envisioned, which that's awesome. From a chef's perspective, is so difficult. That's awesome. You know, like from a creative perspective, yeah. anyone who does a creative endeavor and it works out more or less to what exactly you wanted it to be, it was I think that's a success. It was one of my favorite services I've ever been a part of and I've yep. been fortunate enough to cook with some great people and 
to be a part of some special nights, but that one for Ariette I thought was very special. Where, where only, did it come from, the, the vegetable? Did you did, did you touch upon that already? The, no, just, you know, like I love highlighting local producers. So we wanted to highlight the farms that we use. We invited some of the farmers, um, you know, totally just to try their product and what we did with their product. So that was cool. So that's one example. And then the other opposite side of the spectrum is jokes is this concept of can a ventanilla and like an american diner have a baby which was what is chug's diner right can we serve a pancake and a taylor ham sandwich next to arroz frijoles and Raul and so it's like and we did it and it's so far so good you know we're only 10 days in uh but it's one of those things that conceptually as a creative you're always i'll never forget sitting there with my fiance and i'm like i don't know if people are gonna fucking like this this is a little you know it's not normal right you know you're always scared self-doubt yeah that no well, not only that but you're not sure whether people are gonna like this and what adds to the weight is that so much of you yeah. is in that well are people gonna show up right how is it gonna be received because Every time creatively you do something for the public, you're putting a little piece of yourself out there. You're vulnerable. Right? And it's you, very, very vulnerable. Yeah. And that's like... And, that vulnerability. And, you know, for people that have heard previous episodes, this is a spinoff of Tea Time. So in Tea Time, we talk a lot about mental health. And that vulnerability of a creative feeds into... It's absolutely that mental necessary. self-doubt and that mental kind of like... Brain strength. That's what it comes you with, you know. And it's like, man, it, it's very, uh, it's invigorating when it works, but man, it, it will really, it could, it could fucking it crush you, you if it doesn't. Yeah, crush right. it. yeah that's are, a good word. Are there, are there people who, and maybe it's in food, maybe it's not. Like right. I, I think, for example, when when I began to sort of formulate in my head what I wanted this Dade thing to be, right, which right. is where this podcast lives, which is where I do some of my writing that doesn't really have a home or a logical home in Cigar Snob. Right. Uh, one of the things that I was sort of wrestling with was, okay, how do I do something that I hope will find an audience, but that is informed by my own perspective, right? Like, right. even though this is your thing, Pancom Podcast is your show, I'm as enthusiastic as I am about it because I see so much about your perspective that, that I connect to, right? Yeah. And, and one of the... I always point to two people and their work as me being a, a writer. Mm. Uh, and they're Dan Lebetard right. and Dave Barry. Oh, great. Who I grew up idolizing. Like my, I, I have very vague memories of my childhood. Right. But my mom tells me that when people ask me when I was a little kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, I didn't tell them that I wanted to be a writer. I told them I want to be Dave Barry. Wow. Uh, and the reason was that those are two people who are so completely uh, themselves in their work, right? Like, you, you know who they are maybe a column or two in if you've never read them before and who, who they are and how they express themselves. Like, there's, there's no massaging that. All they, what, what they've done is, at least the way that I perceive them, is that they've figured out how to communicate what was there already. And that's kind of what I get when I eat at your at the two restaurants of yours that I've eaten at, um, so I'm looking forward to that coming in wood fire form at Lenya and, yeah. and all that. 
but are, were there people for you that you saw doing some version of what you were trying to pull off that you thought like, okay, there's, if not a model for how to do it, at least a model that some version of this is possible? I mean, oof. there's plenty of inspiration out there. Um, there's some really great restaurants around the country that are doing some, I, you know, Chug's Diner, I love New Orleans very much. I'll be there tomorrow, actually. Oh, man, that is exciting. Yeah. I um, lived there for five years. Yeah, that's That's the a, greatest place on earth, in my opinion. That's, um, so I went to Turkey and the Wolf. I've been. It's incredible. So good. And that a really. funny story about Turkey and the Wolf. Yeah? I'll tell uh, you off air. And that, that place, I was like, man, it, you know, it's fun. It's inviting. Um, they do sandwiches. They do wedge salad. They do stuff. That's like, I loved it. And I was like, you know, there should be like a Cuban version of this. So, you know, I also love diners and I love breakfast. So that's kind of where the idea of that whole thing kind of came to, to mind. But I don't know. There, there's a lot of forms of creativity out there. And I, I love guys like, you know, I worked for Norman for many years. Uh, Douglas Rodriguez, uh, Michelle Bernstein. Like, those guys really paved the way for for us, the younger generation of chefs. And... What they did was say it's acceptable to take a style of food outside of its box and to be who you are. Like, Norman's food is totally off the map. So, you know, there's that. Um, and the opportunity of working for him and the fact that he did lift me up so much and say, you know, you're a talented guy. You just need to stick with it and, you know, believe in yourself, whatever. That was, that was huge. So I think the stuff that Norman did a long time ago stuff that uh, Norman's still doing, stuff that Douglas did, uh, the opportunity of creating relationships with people like Norman and Michelle that have really those relationships on a level of like asking them their opinion on things and them giving me feedback was huge, you know, just in my growth. So that's both creative and professionally has been huge. You know, going back to what you were saying, Nick, and, and to what exactly you were talking about right now, Mike, is, especially going back to the creativity, is the fact that creativity requires vulnerability, and that vulnerability innately uh, requires authenticity and genuineness, and, and that's where the person comes out. That's where when you say it's they come out their their creativity their ideas come out you know when uh, nick says that's what they do that it's innate to them it's unique to them it's that vulnerability that they show that requires them to be authentic and genuine in what they do because they're being creative and that's coming from them specifically right. which is a very personal thing but the and creativity doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot unless you're solving a problem, right? And in so much of this, it's how do I take this, whether it's what I am or this idea that I'm trying to express, and put that in this other person's head. But sometimes creativity where, is just for the sake of creating something. There's no, like, solution to be solved or problem to be solved. It's just uh, sometimes no, it's creation you, for the sake of creation. Yeah. Art for the sake of art, not I mean, that, necessarily that is art, but, but again, a problem to be solved or a thing that needs to be thought for, of. For the, in the world of food, there's a big, I guess, argument, conversation, disagreement of whether 
food is art or craft. And I really do feel like the food that we do in my company is more of a craft. Um, you know, will there be one day a restaurant that's more of an expression of art? Maybe. Uh, not right now. Well, I guess it might depend on how you're defining art, though, no? Right. True. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that anything those, can be art, right? Yeah, but I also think that those people that say food is an art form, it, they're losing, like, that soulful aspect of the craft. You know, like, for me, the craft means so much, like, taking years to, you know, at least try to perfect something, whether it be a bread baker. The final product is a, an art form, like that beautiful loaf or beautiful charcuterie piece or whatever, but There's the process of getting there is becoming a craftsman. Yeah. So there's a lot of that conversation. Uh, it's, I, it's both and. I think that's I part, remember of, the, that, part that, of the beauty is that it's both craft and art. That's one of the things that uh, that question made me want to work for Norman a lot because he was at a Star Chefs conference and he, that, that was the question, um, whether food is an art or a craft. And it was just... He's very thought-provoking, you know, sure. like the way he observes things, et cetera, is, for me is very important. So, I don't know, uh, creativity, there's so many levels to it, you know, vulnerability, um, putting yourself out there for other people to judge, uh, and how you take that is huge. You know, how you, um, does it keep you up at night? Do you how, struggle with it? How has that aspect of it changed for you over the course of? Yeah, I mean, I don't. For me, I, I do it. Um, it never goes away. Yeah, but if people like it or not, like, if people think it sucks, then, you know, that maybe there's something to it. But I'm also my worst critic. So right. if there's something that I don't think is good, then I'm going to say that, and I'm not going to do it. But, you know, if someone comes and has a bad experience and they're kind of a douche about it or whatever, I'm not going to take that to heart. Uh, I've kind of learned to take the, you know, you have to have a thick skin to deal with that shit. So, you know, it is what it is. I, the people who take it to heart, um, they're just reading into it too much. You know, everyone's going to have their opinion. That's food. That's life. It's opinion. You know, like I posted a picture of, uh, the, our the Cuban sandwich we're going to be doing at Chugs, and, you know, it's kind of a play on a muffletta. And some guy out of nowhere was like, well, I don't know why you called that a muffletta and started, like, fucking trolling me. And uh, I responded, and I said something, and then he called me an asshole, and I told him to go fuck himself. But, you know, long story short was... Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, long story short was, it's it's kind of my play on a muffletta. I never said it was a fucking muffletta. You got to learn how to read first, you know? <laughs> but it's just, like, those things. If I would have taken that to heart, like, oh, my God, why are you... Fuck you. Whatever, man. You know, it, have a little fun with it, you know. Yeah. Don't take it so fucking seriously. Yeah. Play, guy. Yeah. Play. I love muffalettas. My fuck, you know, Central Grocery. That's my jam. Yeah. You know, all day. On the cater. Right. Yeah, but it's just creativity is your expression on whatever it is that you specialize in or what you want to specialize in. So, could be food, could be art, could be a podcast, could be writing, could be journalism. You know, it's We're just all so creatives. Yeah. But are we? Yeah, we are. No, are but are, are we all, like, my, just... No, 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 let me, where, I'll, I'll take this sitting, just on. to, uh, Wait, to get out. it, to make we're, it real for a it second. Is, it okay. is Mike's show. It is we, Mike's show. Well, you know, <laughs> but from a journalism perspective, sure. you know, 
is writing the, a 10 best list creative? Well, I, I think that it has, first of all, I don't, I don't make 10 best lists. I'm not saying you, but, per, but, I'm but just saying in general. But I, think that there, but I think that there's always at least some creative element to it, and I think it depends on how you're approaching that, right? I, I think that certainly there are, uh, you know, listicles out yeah. there uh, that are really more marketing tools than anything. They're just right. there to draw clicks in. Uh, but I think there's a way to do anything creatively, right? And, and I think that, and that's what I mean by uh, creativity being in a part of the problem-solving uh, process. If, if you're just, if, if creativity is just, well, I'm just doing a thing that wasn't there before. Well, you haven't really done anything. I mean, I, I take a shit and there's a Mahong there that wasn't there two minutes ago. Hey, this is Mike's show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike's, Mike's uh, eating shit on his phone, so what do you want to do? That's not true. No, no, it's fine. Uh, but, but yeah, so, I mean, but to the extent that you're communicating something right. effectively, uh, yeah, there's, there are decisions there. Um, Welcome two, to Coconut Grove. Two yeah. really, really cool guys just yeah, by and they're loud motorcycles. Well, you know, I bring up the listicle. Yeah, because from my side, is doing a tuna tartare with wasabi aioli creative? It's not. It's cookie cutter, and it's like you're not challenging yourself. You're putting up layups because you know everyone's gonna like it. Now the, the tuna, well, and, and I think that's where the question tuna, of art versus craft comes in, right? There's a tuna tartare at Bernadette, which is one of the most legendary, or like the tuna carpaccio dish. I'm sorry. Sure. Which is legendary, right? But it's like just the creativity is in the pristine execution, which is a craft. So, you know, like there's just so much that goes into it, you know, and there's, you know, you're also talking about Le Bernardin, which is ran by Eric Repair, which is one of the legends of the world. He will go down as one of the culinary legends of all time. Right. You know, so there's just there's so many facets to it. And creativity, I think, is what you make of it. And I think um it is how far you want to push your own boundary. And f- for me, I like to throw small curveballs to challenge people to try something a little different. Right. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Do we want to end there? I think we should end there. Cool. So I think we're going to go ahead and do the shameless plug thing again. Yeah, let's do it again. You can find Pangong Podcast at Pancom Podcast across all the social media things, also on DadeMag.com slash Pancom Podcast. Follow Dade Mag at Dade Mag uh, on sorry, on Twitter where Dade tweets. Yeah. On Instagram where Dade IG. Right. And then Dade Mag on Facebook. It's a little more confusing with the Dade stuff. Mm-hmm. Give us all your all your chugging pig things. Well my personal uh, is Pig Inc. P I G I N C. Um, you could find us at, at Chugs Diner. Uh, there you will find our daily pastelito and croqueta flavors. Nice. Just so you're aware. Uh, and you could find us at Ariette Miami also for all the fun stuff that happens over there. So, yeah, that's I think that's all we got for episode. Yeah, that's, that's what we got. Toodles. Yeah, that's it. Take care. <laughs>